Kick out the jams, motherfuckers. This is Wayne Kramer from the MC5, and you're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. DIY and How Studios presents Real Rock with Andy King. Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network of Podcasts. Let's go up to 10, exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder. Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Christian Swain here, the Rock and Roll Archaeologist. We'll be right back with our show. This episode of Rock and Roll Archaeology is brought to you by the audiobook edition of Been So Long by Yorma Kalkinen, uh, read by the man himself. Now, diggers, all you have to do is enter for a chance to win an audiobook CD by going to macmillanaudio.com slash been so long. Listen as Yorma gives us a rare glimpse into his heart, soul, and his incredible journey through the psychedelic era of America. Hear never-before-told details about his addiction and recovery, relationships, and how he found his place in the world of music. With a foreword written and read by Grace Slick, an afterward written and read by Jack Cassidy, and bonus live music, this audiobook is a must-have for Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna fans. Again, enter for a chance to win an audiobook CD at macmillanaudio.com slash been so long. All right, let's get back to the show. You wanted the best, you got the best, the hottest podcast in the land, Real Rock. I am your host, the Reverend Andy King, and on this episode, we will be dissecting and reviewing Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, a 1978 made-for-TV pile of shit starring the rock band Kiss. Yeah, that film. I will be spoiling the movie for you, and I normally say go watch the film and come back, but not this time. Just check out the episode. Some of the questions we will be answering today are, who thought this was a good idea? Why is Ace a black dude? And am I going to go to jail? There's a good possibility I'm going to jail for the events of this episode. You're not going to believe this one. I'm your host, the rock and roll reverend, Andy King, and this is Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park. Now would be the time I normally play a trailer. I really couldn't find one that was good enough quality, so I had to make my own trailer. Enjoy. In a world where the financial security of a theme park is completely reliant on KISS showing up, one scientist takes it too far. far. Saturday Night at the Movies presents KISS Meets the Phantom of the Park starring Jane Simons, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, and Ace Frawley. As I scour my records, I can't think of a band I'm more conflicted about than Kiss. I enlisted in the Kiss Army at the age of 12, and I spend those records still on a pretty regular basis out of nostalgia. But now, in my mid-30s, I can't say that I'm still an actual fan. 
the overindulgent pretentious bullshit like music from the elder and the no makeup cringeworthy 80s phase have just soured me way too much. Now, I still love 70s era Kiss, Kiss in their prime. Oversized superheroes spitting blood laying down bare bones rock tunes. Now, I know they're not the best musicians in the world, but Kiss isn't about the music. It's about the show. Always has been. It's vaudeville. And that's the one thing I've always admired about Kiss. They knew they would never be the Beatles or the Stones, but they could be Ringling Brothers. In 1977, the band's creative director, Bill Alcoin, wanted to take this circus superhero act to the next level. You see, in his mind, the band had reached the end of touring and recording and needed to find new avenues for revenue. It starts with an appearance in the Marvel comic Howard the Duck, and then again in 77 with the Marvel comic Super Special, which is a weird story about Kiss having superpowers. I actually have a copy of this. It's fun, but it's really stupid. Bill teamed up with the Hanna-Barbera Production Company, and NBC greenlit the film, but they wanted it rushed for a Halloween release. I was a bit blown away by Bill's pitch of the movie to the band, but I'll let Paul Stanley explain. One of Bill's follies was the movie Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. He thought that film was the next step for us. The Beatles had a hard day's night in hell, and we should have our film. He sold it to us as a hard day's night meets Star Wars, which had come out the year before. It would have lots of cool special effects. Nobody in the band had the slightest clue about acting. None of us read the script. We didn't care. We trusted Bill's judgment. When we started filming, it didn't take an expert in the field to know we were in deep shit and there was no getting out of it. The director asked us after each scene whether we thought it was good. We had no idea what we were doing. For us, a good take was one where we didn't blow our lines. If we said the right words, we moved on to the next shot. Someone off camera fed us our lines. When we got ready to roll the camera, I yelled, line, and someone said something like, gee, Ace, it's time we get going. Then I said, gee, Ace, it's time we get going. That's a keeper. It was horrific. It didn't remotely resemble acting. At the end of May in 1978, production started at Magic Mountain in California. Of course, just like any good train wreck film, the production is plagued with trouble. Ace and Peter are barely there, and when they are, they're simply too fucked up to get anything accomplished. In fact, there are full scenes where Ace is obviously not Ace, and is in fact his stunt double, Alan. It should also be noted that the line reads were so bad from Peter that he was completely overdubbed by voice actor Michael Bell, best known for his role as Duke in the animated G.I. Joe movie. With the exception of the scene where Peter lip-syncs Beth, you don't hear his actual voice. Realistically, given their lack of acting chops, all the members should have been overdubbed so that we would not have been subjected to scenes like this one. He's the one all right. Almost tore my arm off. Gene's clean. A pussycat. Almost. Hi, Curly. Someone vandalized our park last night, uh, smashed uh, some of our buildings and injured a few of our guards. Well, Gene, they think it was you. Think? It was him. Or his twin. Gene's brother was an only child. Easy, Catman. They are serious. And they've got guns. Yep. That's the cinematic gold we're dealing with here. Of course, the acting is bad, and not only from Kiss, everybody is bad in this, but... Nobody really has anything to work with. 
The Hanna-Barbera influence is really apparent with the plot because it feels like a Scooby-Doo episode. Basically, this amusement park is about to go out of business. The mad scientist Devereaux has made a bunch of creepy, full-on, human-looking robots. He's pissed off because Kiss is coming to do some shows and generate money, but he thinks people should appreciate his robots more. He takes over some dude named Sam's brain and creates a Gene Simmons lookalike to fuck up the park and get Kiss kicked out. But you know what that weird bastard didn't count on? Kiss has superpowers. Damn right they do. They derive them from these weird talismans or something. Also, they know karate. And they used that karate to kick the shit out of all those robots that Devereaux made, including the Kiss real dolls, and then put on a show as Devereaux dies of sadness or something. Yeah, that's the movie. It's all pretty fucking stupid and nothing seems to work, but not even the concert footage works. I don't want to even play a clip of the concerts because they sound so bad. But I have to admit, the inner masochist in me wants to see more Kiss movies like this one because it is so bad. A while back, the TV show Family Guy did a uh, Kiss Save Santa cutaway recurring joke on the episode. And I really wish that was a real movie because it seems like it would be so much better than The Phantom of the Park was. But Mrs. Claus, who would kidnap Santa? Well, Ace, that's what I want you boys to find out. Someone stole Santa? That does not rock! Easy, Gene. Guys, let's go save Christmas to the kids copter! Yay! Hang on, Santa, we're coming! Hurry, boys, the eggs are hatching! What do we do? Wait a second. Everyone knows pterodactyls can't stand the screech of a guitar! It's working! Hey, Santa, be careful! Oh, no! Careful, Hang Santa! Hang on, Santa! You just practiced that guitar, Santa. Next time, we'll let you do a solo. Don't encourage him! <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, there is an inherent problem in trying to review a film like this. It has been universally panned, even by the members of KISS, since its release in 1978. That's 40 years of people calling this movie terrible. I'm going to do the same, obviously. But what can I add that hasn't been said already? Oh, I know. I'll change up formats. I wrote down all the different types of podcasts out there, and I threw a dart, and I landed on True Crime. Now the question is, is it possible to do a true crime podcast movie review? I'll try, but I'm going to need a kick-ass intro. In rock and roll archaeology, exploitive cash grabs are considered especially heinous. The dedicated podcaster that investigates these monstrosities is the host of Real Rock, Andy King. These are his stories. 911, what's your emergency? You gotta help me out, man. It's been a robbery. It all started with a call to emergency services. Excuse me? Oh, I'm uh, I'm narrating a podcast. You said there was a robbery? Yes, I had an hour and a half stolen from me by the uh, rock band Kiss. I'm sorry, they stole an hour and a half? Yeah, and they can't be allowed to get away with it. It was a, it was an hour. S sir, an sir, you cannot use nine one one in this way. Well, what am I supposed to do? I, they can't be allowed, be allowed to get away with it. How do they rob you of that time? Have you ever seen the movie uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park? 
Sir, I'm disconnecting this call. That's fair. I'll miss you. That fucking call. A moment of weakness and anger. This led me on the path to justice that I just couldn't let go. In hindsight, I shouldn't be that mad. It's Kiss for fuck's sake. Nothing they do should be seen as anything but a live action cartoon, but you know what? This ends now. I will find a way to get justice. What the fuck? The police are here. Let me change microphones. Hey, hey, officer, uh, what can I do for you? Mr. King, there's been a report that you've made a non-emergency 911 call. Uh, yes, sir, uh, that, that happened. I was, uh, I was angry about this movie I watched, so... Mr. King, emergency personnel are far too busy to deal with inappropriate calls. Do you understand that? I, absolutely, I do. I just, I didn't think, uh, I just, I, I felt robbed. You uh, do know misuse of 911 is a class one misdemeanor. I did not know that. Um, dude, am I going to jail? Not today, but don't call 911 unless there's an emergency, okay? Oh, God, most definitely. But, um, but hey, would you know what to do in a case like this? I mean, I feel like they owe me for the hour and a half I spent watching the movie. Oh, God. Okay, I gotta know what movie this is. Uh, Kiss meets Phantom of the Park. This is a real thing? I mean, I know some Kiss, but... Oh, we can watch it if you want. Pop up, pop some popcorn, take off our shoes. No, sir. No, sir. But as far as a, as a matter like this, you could probably take it to a small claims court. That's it. I'll fuck up Gene Simmons. What? Why him and not the other ones? Well, all right, so my logic is Paul is all right because um, he looks like a big enough doofus with that rug on his chest to really be mad at him. Peter has already had enough problems, like the dude that pretended to be him, and Ace is cool. He believes in aliens and stuff. Also, Gene is a giant douche. Ugh, oh my god. Well, good luck with that. Let's hope that you're a destroyer in court. <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, can you say that again? What? The destroyer in court? <laughs> Sir, I'm going to ask you politely. Are you on drugs? N not at the moment. Um, um, is there any way I can get like a, a punitive judgment on Gene Simmons? <laughs> I mean, there's not like a way. Uh, I don't know, maybe the sheriff of nowhere. That's it. There's a town called Nowhere in Oklahoma. I can go there and talk to their sheriff and maybe have Gene Simmons arrested. Sir, that was just a joke. You can't. As I bid Sergeant Stadanko adieu, it's Officer Miller. I knew what I had to do. Go to Nowhere, Oklahoma and plead my case to the sheriff. What are you doing? I'm narrating a podcast. Okay, I'm gonna have to search the premises. Well then. As the police searched the Real Rock Studios for contraband, I made my arrangements to head to Nowhere, Oklahoma. I'm happy to report that Officer Miller, if that is his real name, didn't find anything. He did ask me a lot of questions about my Ric Flair robe collection, but he can go fuck himself. Ric Flair rules. I bid the family farewell and I hit the road. Even though I planned this trip, I'm completely unprepared for what is about to happen. But I did plan on some Southern Gothic true crime road music for the trip. 
I checked into a hotel and set the studio up. I put an ad on Craigslist to speak to the sheriff of nowhere. I laid out all the reasons why Gene had to go down. After turning several dudes named Gene away who completely misunderstood what I meant, I found out that nowhere doesn't have a sheriff. But one guy, Detective Hyam Weitz, has agreed to meet me in my hotel room and help me out. Hey, thanks for meeting with me. Right time, right place, right thing. I, I have to admit, I was like super scared to meet with you because I might have a case against me or uh, something about calling a 911 number. I will drop this case right now if you let me slam your balls in this door. Okay, okay. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, you are Gene Simmons. I'm not the powerful and attractive Gene Simmons. Why, why are you talking so weird? Holy shit, you're a robot, Gene Simmons. What the fuck? Ace Freely just kicked the door down, and he's staring at the Gene Simmons robot. Holy God, lasers just came out of Ace Freely's guitar and has killed the robot Gene Simmons. Thanks, Ace. As Ace took off in his spaceship, I realized I will never get the justice that I seek. Another studio gets away with exploiting our love for rock and roll. Gene got another dollar off the Kiss Army. But you know what? I do have a way to get justice. I have this show. I have my revered rating system. But No Stars isn't good enough. For the first time in real rock history, I sentence Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park to film, film hell. hell. And I'm a reverend, so I can do that. Thank you for joining me today on Real Rock. If you enjoyed it, please share it with uh, at least one person. Talk to your friends. Tell them in person. And give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll make a deal with you. If you make a five-star review, screenshot it, and email it to me at realrockpodcast at gmail.com. That's real with two E's. I will pick one at random and send you something from the merch store. Okay? You can't get better than that. Five-star review, email it to me, and at one at random, I will send you something, and I will sign it, the Reverend Andy King. And this has been Real Rock. Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Cast in order of appearance. Law and order voice provided by Christian Swain. 911 operator played by Mary Beth Grafsman. Sergeant Stadanko played by Officer Miller. Officer Miller played by Marcellus Joyner. Hyam Weitz played by Robot Jane Simmons. Ace Freely as himself. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast, but one Jane Simmons robot got real fucked up. Hey Diggers, uh, just a quick note, a lot of this episode was completely acted out and dramatized and I do not want to support wasting emergency personnel's time, uh, that was a complete joke. And I have a, I have a huge uh, fan base of, uh, of fire workers and, and, and police officers for some reason. Please, if you are calling an emergency service number, make sure there's an emergency, do not waste their time. 
Looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Real Rock is written by Andy King and produced by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Jerry Danielson. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information.